Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their point. But they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled. Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go! All right, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest, your Hawkeye oasis in a lonely, desolate Nebraska desert. Make sure to hit the like and subscribe button so you can get all of the updates with our latest Hawkeye interviews, everything Hawkeye, you want to hear it. And let's make the number one podcast in all of Nebraska Hawkeye one because that would be awesome. Joining us today, one of my all-time favorites, we're really excited to have former Hawkeye defensive lineman joe gaglione how's it going man it's going good i appreciate you uh, having me on adam thanks for uh, reaching out yeah absolutely we're glad to have you on i gotta tell you joe right off the bat everyone's thinking it so i'm just gonna say it that beard is legit oh thank you i uh i'm glad uh, everybody agrees with it uh my uh fiance likes to uh, give me a hard time when it gets too long so i gotta keep it trimmed up <laughs> that looks good man i noticed that right away i'm like god damn yeah. damn like his just beards putting me to shame i can't grow a good beard that, that good of a beard so i'm not man enough quite yet maybe when i grow up i can no i i appreciate it uh i uh had um a beard once or twice when i was at iowa so uh we, yeah i don't know if you ever come across a photo but my senior year uh, we all decided to shave our heads against uh indiana uh and uh, had a, a goatee with a bald head, it was not a good look. So I got told never to do that again by the fiance when she saw it. So I bet you looked mean though. Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, obviously, when you take the helmet off, uh, middle of November, uh, it's cold out. You got a bald head. Uh, you got the steam going. Uh, the guys uh, wonder, you know, what's going on in his mind over there. So, yeah. So, right. so, <laughs> That Stone Cold Steve Austin look is always like an intimidating look no matter what. So I'm, I don't know. I'm always a fan of it. But the fiance's opinion matters a lot more than anybody else's. So speaking of the fiance, though, you got a lot of new things going in life. Like life is really starting to happen for you. A lot of cool things. Can you tell all the Hawkeye fans out there where you're living, what you're doing for work, what's going on with the family life? Because there's a lot of things blooming right now for Joe. Yeah, happy to. Um, so <clears throat> I live currently uh, in the suburb right between downtown Cleveland and Lakewood. It's called Edgewater. So uh, we're within walking distance and uh, Uber distance of Tremont, which is a pretty uh, nice up and coming neighborhood, Ohio City. Um, and I actually work in University Circle at Case Western Reserve University. I did my master's in finance there. Okay. So I actually work in the uh, Office of Investments there. So we manage the portfolio 
the endowment, um, and we it's about two billion dollars today that we have direct oversight over. So wow. we uh, cover all asset classes, anything ranging from uh, traditional public equities all the way to venture capital, private equity. Um, and then we will even do some real assets, so real estate, infrastructure, We've done some investments with like Spectrum and Towers. So, uh, all right. And I, I, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, no, I, I've been there a little bit, uh, about three and a half years now, um, and it's been good. Um, so learned okay. a lot, and um, it's uh, you know con continue to grow. Um, and it's exciting every day, something new. So. I can tell just like five minutes into this interview, you're already way smarter than Jerry or myself. So yeah, that, 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 that didn't take very long. So Joe, you, you dabbled in coaching a little bit. Uh, am I mm -hmm. right? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Sure. Yeah. So I actually coached at John Carroll um, when I was deciding to do, uh, you know, sort of the journey after I got done playing. So I ended up having uh, a back injury that forced me to stop playing. I uh, ruptured a disc in my low back and uh, tried to continue to come back, but ultimately it ended up happening again. And uh, after seeing the doctor, I just decided uh, you know, it, to hang it up. Um, <clears throat> so that was about 2014, um, early 15. So I did a year in like private wealth management and I liked it, but it just wasn't really for me. Um, so when I was applying to grad schools, I decided to make sure that football, um, you know, the new route was I'm officially done with football. So I actually started coaching at a D3 school here in town that has a pretty strong connection to the front office called John Carroll University. Mm. Um, so I spent uh, two seasons there, one season coaching defensive line and outside linebackers, another season splitting time between outside linebackers and offensive line. Um, <clears throat> it was great. Um, I actually got recruited by them coming out of high school. Uh, I remember, you know, I started getting some of the bigger offers late uh, in my senior season. Uh, but uh, Coach Cochran, give him a shout out. Uh, he's actually at Akron now under Tom R. Staff. He would wait around like an hour or two after games just to hang out. And it really made an impression on me. So I took a visit there and just remembered, uh, you know, it's a good academic school and um, it's a tough program to obviously balance both uh, paying for your own cleats because it's Division Three, um, yeah. you know, and uh, relative to a D1 program. So. <laughs> But um, it obviously wasn't the same as playing, but I really enjoyed uh, what I learned and just transferring that knowledge and experience, you know, to guys that are 18 to 21 years old. Uh, it was great. Um, I did look at potentially doing scouting, but just decided sitting in a car uh, every day, driving from small college town to college town wasn't for me. Um, yeah. And I ultimately decided to, I got accepted to a couple of grad schools. And uh, once I got into case, I was fortunate to get a full scholarship and being from Cleveland, it was a pretty tough uh, one to turn down. No, I can completely understand that. So you hit on real quickly uh, your recruitment at a high school. And I, um, from digging back at everything, Indiana and Pitt were pretty heavy on you and you got offers from them. Uh, you racked up about 22 sacks your senior year of high school. So like you said, uh, the recruitment picked up uh, pretty late. Um, and then you had obviously Iowa in the mix too. Ta uh, walk us through your recruitment process and what made the University of Iowa stand out from the rest of the pack for you? Sure, uh, happy to. Um, so I would say it was about the beginning of my junior year. So I spent uh, two seasons at a small school here 
I grew up in Chesterland, uh, which is about 35 minutes east of uh, downtown Cleveland. So um, small school, uh, went to football camps going into my junior season, sorry, sophomore season. And uh, they said, hey, you got some talent. Uh, where do you go? And they never heard of the high school. So I decided to actually transfer to Lake Catholic. Um, so that was my going into my junior year. Um, obviously, Hawk fans will remember Ricky Stanzi. Um, Rick was a couple years older than me, but uh, we went to the same high school. I didn't know him then. Um, the first time I actually met Rick was on my official visit to Iowa. So, okay. um, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it stood out to me um, at Lake that it was. I mean, it's a good powerhouse for football. Um, we ended up making it to the uh, state semifinals my uh, senior year. Um, we lost to Newark, Licken Valley. Uh, if anybody remembers uh, Storm Klein, he played for Ohio State. He was a linebacker. Um, he started like a year or two there, but uh, he was actually the running back at that time. So, okay. uh, but we played some good schools. I mean, we played uh, Benedictine, which obviously some you know Hawk recruits uh, came from there. Um, we didn't play Glendale or anything, but uh, they they were above us. But uh, yeah, I mean. Um, Played some really tough competition. Uh, my junior year, I had some success, made all conference, but I actually ended up getting mono uh, the second uh, game of the playoffs. And it really put a damper on me uh, recruiting wise. Um, I got invited to some camps going into my senior year, but I lost like 25 pounds. Uh, mm. So I was like 190 pounds. So obviously playing D line at 190, uh, it was a tough sell, but uh I got up to about 210, 215 uh, going into my senior year. I uh, was fortunate to always be pretty quick. Um, I timed well at a couple camps that I went to. And um, yeah, I mean, by the middle of my, um, the, the game that really stood out was actually um, Dublin Kaufman. They had two guys going to Ohio State. One guy was top 10 recruit. Mike Adams was the left tackle for them. So he played at Ohio State. Spent a couple years in the league for the Steelers. Um, but uh, so that was really the game that got me on the coaches' radars. And after that, uh, yeah, I mean, but Iowa was one of the first ones to really consistently uh, talk to me. Um, and then I actually remember uh, it was about the right after we lost, actually, uh, Coach O'Keefe and Coach Kaz reaching out and offering me a scholarship. And uh, just, but that dialogue continuous going back and forth for a couple months really. Um, you know, stood out relative to the other ones. So once word got out, um, I sent out a bunch of highlight tapes. Uh, I had, I got a lot of offers late. Um, Ohio State actually even came to the party late. Uh, they said they don't want to let talent come out of the state, but I was already committed to Iowa. So, but mm -hmm. when I when I took my visit, that's what really stood out. Um, so I fell in love with just the fans. One, uh, two, it's a great nightlife at Iowa, so it really stands up to his reputation. Uh, and uh, yeah. Three, um, I would say uh, just, you know, academically as well. I mean, it has a good reputation and it was always a dream of mine to play in the Big Ten, being from the Midwest. Um, everyone we talk to, they say the biggest difference between Iowa and everywhere else is always the relationships and how genuine the coaching staff is and how straightforward they are with them during the recruiting process. They're not blowing smoke or promising them all these lofty things. So other than the relationships though, Joe, was there anything that really stood out from you or was um, different when it came to like facilities and atmosphere of, you know, the campus and everything that goes into that package with, you know, the differences between your three major schools being like Indiana Pitt or Iowa, was there much of a difference? Um, so, 
uh, truthfully, I, I actually ended up only taking an official visit to Iowa. Um, they, they sold me hard and I fell in love with it. Um, I got begged to take visits to the other two schools, but ended up not doing it. Um, okay. So, but what really stood out to me was, you know, Kinnick at the time, actually, I think I was there. My first year was the last year was grass before it turned to turf. Okay. Um, so I'm dating myself, <laughs> but uh, it uh, ultimately, um, you know, stood out. I mean, it was 70, 75,000 at that time. Um, it was a great stadium, uh, big 10, you know, and, and really just the, as you um, mentioned, the coaches don't BS you. I mean, it's a blue collar reputation. I came from a blue collar family. So hard work always was something that I, uh, you know, learned at a young age. And uh, I think it just really resonated with me. And, um, you know, it was just, they said that given an opportunity to come in um, and, and play early, if you can contribute. And uh, that was something that was interesting to me as well. Tell us about your relationship with Coach Reese Morgan. Uh, we've talked about him at length on on this podcast about how he's impacted so many players' lives and how the guy just has an uh, unbelievable talent for catching diamonds in the rough. Seeing talent that you know two three years down the road that other coaches don't have the capability of seeing. In my opinion, I think Reese Morgan's one of the most underrated coaches in the history of college football that doesn't get talked about. But tell us a little bit about your relationship with him. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think uh, a very high praise for Coach Morgan um, was, you know, sad to hear the news when he retired. But, I mean, he's earned it. You know, he devoted a lot of time to Iowa. And hopefully they can continue finding those diamonds in the rough. Uh, you know, I mean, think of Brandon Sheriff, Dom Elvis, and the list goes on to some of the guys that he found from these small towns, you know, and brought them and they went on to have success. So. But um, for me, uh, he was actually the offensive line coach when I first got there, and he was that for four years. Um, so I had a, you know, a, a decent um, relationship with him, just obviously given one-on-ones and all the drills that we would do um, against the offensive line. And then uh, going into my senior year, uh, Coach Kaz, who was a defensive lines coach, actually left to go to Nebraska. Coach Morgan made the transition. Uh, I think Coach Ferentz thought it was going to be a good idea, given that we were going to be pretty young up front. And obviously, given Coach Morgan's uh, being a former teacher and just his ability to be able to, you know, groom young guys and teach, it would be a good fit. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for me, um, I unfortunately had battled some injuries early on in my career. Um, so I had two shoulders, two hernias, and an ankle. Um, so it was, it was tough sledding between my freshman and sophomore year. And then really my junior year was when I finally started to remain healthy. But Coach Morgan was always there for me too. Uh, you know, he was one of the few coaches that consistently checked in on me mentally. It's obviously tough. Uh, I mean, you can be alienated sometimes when you're on your own uh, coming mm -hmm. back from injuries. So um, I, I had that really close relationship with him there. And then I was really happy to hear um, you know, him moving the D-line. And um, I think that really showed uh, in my senior year because he allowed me to go out there and, uh, you know, make plays and um, I also really groomed some of the young guys um, and was happy to obviously see once I left, uh, you know, Drew Ott to go on to have some great success, Carl Davis, Darian Cooper uh, before the injury. So, I mean, the list goes on. Yeah, it sounds like from the guys that I've talked to that are still close to the program and guys that are still there, I think Coach Morgan's still about as involved as he was before he retired. He just can't stay away from what I hear. So that's good for us. We want him to be around as much as possible because the guy's a once-in-a-generation coach. And, you know, we have 
a handful of those on the staff that I think really set that staff uh, above and beyond the other ones in the country. And we're pretty lucky to be able to hold on to those guys because it seems like, you know, the coaching college football, it's such a stepping ladder. You know, guys are always trying to move up, you know, get get in a better position, make more money. And we're, we're very lucky across all sports at the University of Iowa, we do a pretty darn good job of keeping the, the really great assistants around. Um, one of them that we did lose, though, was Coach uh, Kaczynski, Coach Kaz. Um, he went on to Nebraska and had coached you a little bit um, while you were there at Iowa. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to play for him, how intense he was. And, you know, he kind of fits that Bo Pelini type of intensity. Um, tell us some stories and what it was like playing for him. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, Coach Kaz is at his core a good guy, but uh, he definitely is a, a fiery guy for sure. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Um, I, I can, can't uh, – the, the numbers just go on uh, with the number of film sessions, people getting chewed out. Uh, uh, you know, and obviously that's kind of norm uh, in college, major college football, but uh, maybe he went a little bit above and beyond. But um, a couple of the – I remember actually my junior year we played at Nebraska – and uh, we were down at halftime, and he just lost his marbles and flipped a table. And <laughs> so that that just you know sums it up. Uh, you know, he he definitely uh, loved to show that intensity, um, get guys going, and um, he obviously had a great opportunity um, to go coach for Coach Pelini um, after that. Um, so I don't fault him for leaving. But my first experience, I remember uh, being a freshman in camp um, and couple days in, uh, he told me that uh, if I'm too tired, that uh, I can go ahead and get a bus ticket back to Cleveland. So that was my first true experience with Coach Kaz. Oh, <laughs> it man. definitely re resonated with me. Um, but uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, he definitely made an impression on me, um, you know, both good and bad. Uh, but uh, it ultimately uh, shaped me into the guy that I am today. If anything, playing major college football teaches you resiliency, like being able to like push through and deal with things like that. Because, you know, if you have a after playing major college football, you know, you go to your your job and your your boss gives you a hard time and jumps down your throat. You're like, Psh, that's nothing. I've yeah. been through way worse than this. That's what that's what I say. You know, I mean, sometimes it can get tough in the real world. You, you always hear it. But until uh I remember being in high school saying, enjoy those times. It's mm. the best time of your life. And God, it's the truth. Uh, I mean, you know, it obviously is. now being a grown up, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, tough times, whether it's personal life or obviously at work, I mean, it's, it's nothing. I even, I even tell my boss sometimes, okay, this is nothing compared to what I got called uh -huh. and was used to. So it's funny because like when you're in college, it's like you have no money. At hardly at all yeah. and you go to the I, I remember going to the atm like okay i need to get hopefully I have enough money to get out to like get have some drinks or like buy a 30 yeah. pack of keystone like because it was like 12 dollars, <laughs> you know and i'm like 30 stones that can get me through most of the weekend so it, it's funny that just it's hard to explain but it, it, there's nothing like college it is it was by far the most fun i'd ever had and um it sounds like, you know, you had a pretty great experience as well. I wanted to ask you, though, when you were on your visit, what was the one thing about Iowa City or even the University of Iowa campus as a whole that surprised you the most? Maybe something you weren't expecting. Um, I think uh, just being actually downtown, um, just being how close campus is actually to the bars. I mean, I remember hearing about FA, a thing called FAC. 
Friday after class. And, oh, yeah. uh, obviously we never really got to participate in it due to, you know, practice or traveling due to games, but there was that slim chance every once in a while that we got to in the off season for about a two month gap. And, uh, I mean, you could look, if you had a class that went to 430, you could literally just walk over with your backpack and put it under the table and, you know, go grab a, a big beer for two bucks. I mean, it was a, a tough thing to turn down. So, um, but I remember, um, you know, actually, um, unfortunately, the, uh, the late Tyler Sash was actually my host on my official visit. And, really? uh, you know, yeah. So it actually, him and, uh, Cody Huntermark, um, so, you know, both of them really did a good job on selling me. They took me to some good places. And I actually remember the first time I walked up to the dance floor summit bar, um, I was sold. So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. How fun was it hanging out with Tyler Sash? Tell us a little bit about him as a person. Um, I, that's one guy that, you know, whenever his name comes up, everybody just lights up and loves mm-hmm. to talk about him. I don't feel like we talk about him enough. Um, he was such a great figure for the Hawkeyes and did so much for us. What was what was he like as a player to play with and also just as a human being? Yeah, I mean, obviously he – hit close home to me, uh, being my host. He was really my first exposure, short of the coaches, the Iowa football program. Um, so I had him in pretty high regards. Um, and I was obviously really sad to hear what happened. Um, but, uh, ultimately uh, I just try to remember the good things, right? I mean, most people, um, when they hear him, they think of a guy who played through a ton of injuries. I mean, he obviously had the shoulder issues, but I mean, you would never know that. I mean, he just, played his ass off every play um, and literally left his body out there. And I think that showed uh, both in college and, uh, you know, you read the stories about him when he was with the Giants wanting to play in the Super Bowl. I don't fault him one bit. I mean, you know, it's yeah. everybody's dream to play in the Super Bowl when you start playing uh, football when you're seven years old. So, but yeah, I mean, just a, a tough guy on the field, you know, played uh, good team football and also um, really had that uh, ability to make a big play when team needed it and obviously i think that shows up uh remember i think it was my sophomore junior year when we were playing indiana at home um in kinnick and uh we were not doing well it was pretty close um it shouldn't have been that close and then he ended up scooping that fumble back uh and took it back like 80 yards so that's a good memory of him um and yeah i mean off the field he was always a good time. I remember him for a shoe game. He was actually one of the people that got me into shoes. So uh, oh, <laughs> he always yeah. had a new, uh, nice pair of Jordans on. So. <laughs> I, re- I remember that um, interception that he had against Michigan State and then pitched it back to Micah Hyde. Like nine times out of ten, that turns out to be a disaster. Like you don't ever like, you know, pitch back a fumble like that, like do a lateral back. That was ended up being the most brilliant play ever. And then Micah just took off. He just, you know, he knew he must've just, you know, saw 20 steps ahead. Like, okay, I'm not going to get this. Micah's going to get this. I don't even know if you were, you probably remember the play I'm referring yeah. to, but Absolutely. how cool, how cool was that to witness that? Cause we, well, Michigan state was solid. They were good that year. We put a shellacking on them that game. Yeah. I think it was actually cousins was the quarterback. Kirk cousins. Yeah. I could be wrong, but um, I think yeah, they had some, I had some guys for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. Obviously watching that. Um, I mean, he, uh, always knew how to improvise. And like I said earlier, I mean, he just had that knack for making big plays and, uh, you know, I mean, I think for anybody else, the, the chances of, uh, that going bad are pretty high, but, uh, it worked out for him. And uh, I'm sure he may have gotten reamed out of it and filmed by coach Parker, but you know, at the end of the day, you can't, uh, 
be upset about that. It turned out uh, pretty well. So. I don't watch too. I don't watch too many Iowa games and sports bars. That one I did in Sioux City, and I the whole place about fell out of their chairs when he pitched it. Like no, and then Mike Hyde got it, and then about two seconds later, everyone's like, oh, 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 okay, like this is gonna end up okay. Like it was uh, one of the most memorable plays ever. So it was it, it was pretty awesome. Speaking though, like of, of great stories, and I kind of mentioned this to you um, earlier when we first talked. We always like to hear cool, like interesting, funny uh, locker room or practice or weight room stories that, you know, the the general fan like myself or, you know, people listening out there, you know, we're diehard Hawkeye fans. We know a lot about the football program, but it's things that, you know, an insider would know and we would know something that you kind of look back on on a Thursday at work and puts a smile on your face and you kind of laugh about yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, sh- it just goes back to that camaraderie and, and that bond. Um, you know, it's uh, I-, I, for some reason, always think of the, the plunge pool, <laughs> the cold tub. Uh, it's it's a weird thing to think about. But, uh, you know, obviously you're in there with like six to eight other guys and you're just bullshitting uh, about random stuff. And uh, it's, it's just good memories, uh, you know, to think about. Um, so that that's one Um and another is really just some of the times, obviously, when we had nothing to worry about in the off season, uh, whether it be going to see a movie or going, you know, Friday after class or where the night took us. I mean, those are definitely some good memories. All right, Joe. Now you sound like you you enjoyed the Ped Mall, the Iowa City life a little yeah. bit, um, which you should you know you're there yeah. that's your college life so we're hypothetical here okay you're you're senior and i'm a i'm a freshman on a, not even a freshman yet but i'm on a recruiting visit and we're going to go out for the night what type of places are you going to take me name all, name a few places and what we're going to do for the night to show me a good time and what iowa city's all about yeah that's a good question um i unfortunately haven't kept up with I know a couple places have closed recently. It could, it could be back when you so, played. Back when you played. Okay. Um, I think I would start the night uh, at uh, Airliner. Um, so, okay. you know, there's usually pretty cheap drinks there. Um, you, you can get the night going, have a good time, just hang out at a booth or up at the bar with your uh, friends and, you know, obviously um, show their crew a good time. I, I would – then go on to Summit. Uh, you know, it's obviously a little bit different of an environment, but um, I think uh, that's what sold me uh, late at night. So kudos to the, the players at that time. But uh, and then um, I think uh, I would end the night at Union. I do remember hearing about Union being closed, uh, but that uh, you have to have a couple of drinks in you before you go there. Uh, it was it was yeah. fun when you're a true freshman, but. Uh, by the time you're a junior and senior and you're playing uh, 50 plus snaps, the last thing you want to do is go to union and get bumped into by some 18 uh, year old. <laughs> so. it, it looks a lot different down there now. Uh, last time I went down it, they're doing a ton of construction down there. There's a whole strip of places that are closed down. And I, I don't know if they're just remodeling the buildings or, or what's going on, but it looks quite a bit different now. Mm-hmm. I actually, uh, last time I was in Iowa city, I ended up, uh, taking my fiance, um, her brother and his wife, uh, up, uh, to meet one of my buddies who actually didn't play sports that I lived with. Um, we went to see the North Dakota state game. Unfortunately, the Hawks lost that day, yeah. but, uh, 
I, I laugh because my fiance always talks about how John Carroll was known to be like one of the bigger binge drinking Jesuit schools. And she ended up having a puke, uh, puke hangover by 8 p.m. and had to go back to the hotel. So she saw what Iowa City is all about. <laughs> yeah, there's always people that come in and they're like, oh, I don't, I've never gotten hungover. I've never gotten sick before. Go out in Iowa City for a night and try that on for size. And I was at that North Dakota State game. That sucked. That yeah. was uh, the I that was the first Hawkeye game I ever took my kids to, and I'm okay. like, okay, I think you guys are about old enough now. Let's you know we'll we'll go to a, uh, I'll take you to a, uh, to Kinnick this year, and I'm like, let's find a game that I, I'm I'm pretty sure that is a 99% sure victory, and so I'm like, all right, we'll we'll North Dakota State's a very reputable program, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll hand, we'll handle them, and then you know my son looks back at me and like, geez, at the time he was like seven. And he's like, Dad, does this happen all the time? Like, what's going on? I'm like, no, this never happens. This is, yeah. <laughs> it's not supposed to end up this way at all. But here's the deal. It was a great life lesson. That no matter what, we're still fans. We're still fans of the Hawks. You know, they're going to win some. They're going to lose some. But regardless, we still support the team. So it was a, it was a good learning lesson for him, too. So it helped me keep myself in check. I was pretty frustrated at the end of that game. Like, come on, guys. You can run the ball up the middle so many times. And Let's try to do something else, but you know, Great. It, it, yeah, yeah, you remember that too. I was so frustrated. Oh, yeah. I'm like, how many times are we going to run this play? It's like the break the rock mentality. You know, it's yep. like eventually they're going to break. Well, they didn't break. You know, they held us the whole time. So it's North North Dakota State. You got to play them just like you would play a Power Five school. Like they are legitimate. They got a lot of guys that get looked over that are end up in the NFL. They have, there's two North Dakota state quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Like that's, that's pretty legit. Um, moving on though, no more talking about that ugly North Dakota state game, but, um, I'd like to hear that the, the university of Iowa football program, we talked about this earlier a little bit. How do you feel like going in there and then leaving how it changed you and shaped you as a person? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I went in as a young, naive uh, 18-year-old. Um, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and, you know, uh, I think you learn quickly. I mean, I was nine hours from home, um, and it's definitely a step up. It took me a while to gain weight. I ended up having some injuries, so I, I truly had to face some adversity. Um, I mean, there were some dark moments, um, for sure. Um, but I was fortunate that I stuck with it. I actually got very close to just calling it quits after I ended up having my third surgery. Um, yeah. So it got to the point where I was like, you know, is it really worth it? But um, I had a lot of uh, deep thought about it. And, you know, it was something that even if I only played one play, my goal was to play one play before I left Iowa. And, uh, oh, yeah. I was fortunate to, you know, go on to have some success, um, fortunately. Um, and, you know, it ended up nipping me in the end uh, injuries again. Um, but, um, at the end of the day, I think it really taught me, um, you know, brotherhood, one, two, like the meaning of a true friend, two, how to overcome adversity, um, and three, just truly hard work, uh, blue collar mentality. And I mean, I think I take that um, to work every day and try to, you know, follow through with that in my everyday life now. Joe, we're glad you stuck it out too. We're very glad you snuck it out. Ended up being a great Hawkeye. Tell us a a little bit about your time with the Minnesota Vikings, just what that was like, um, the level of talent you were going against, and just what the atmosphere was like in the locker room. Most people don't even get to take a peek at being an NFL player. You did, um, which is awesome. 
tell you know the regular fans like us and everybody out there that is never going to get a chance to feel like what it was like to be an NFL player, what it was like during your time with the Vikings. Yeah, no, I mean, it was obviously for a short cup of coffee. Um, it was, but uh, it was a dream come true, quite frankly. Um, it was something that I always wanted to, um, that I dreamed of since I was like seven. Um, and being able to put on an NFL helmet was great. Um, and I can truly say, you know, it didn't happen um, and the way that I wanted to. And unfortunately, um, you know, injuries cut me short, but. At the end of the day, um, I can live with it. I did everything in my power to try to come back from it, and I'm happy and can sleep well at night. Um, and I think it just taught me a lot. And it's honestly a fantastic icebreaker um, for business world now, um, both Hawkeye stories and that. I mean, I truly, really am not one to talk about uh, sports at all, just in the business world. I want to be viewed as a true financial professional. Um, but, um, you know, when folks do their research and they bring it up, uh, they're very naive why I don't sell it. <laughs> so um, it's, um, you know, uh, it leads to some good stories for sure. And then you throw a little bit of uh, whiskey in there. And, uh, it leads to some good conversations. So. No, I'm sure. I'm sure you yeah. got even better stories you can't tell us on this right now. So yeah. um, did you at least get like a cool piece of like memorabilia from being there? Did you get to take your helmet home or your practice jersey or anything like that? Yeah, no, I, I got a helmet and a jersey, um, which was cool. And then awesome. I have obviously some shorts and shirts and all that good stuff. So it was it was great. All right, cool. So you got a few <laughs> mementos from the whole thing. That's that's good. Yeah. Do you, do you, did you get the, any of that stuff like framed and put up in your home at all? So at? We're actually in a two bedroom apartment. Uh, my fiance and I um, we're we've been trying to buy a house, just been waiting it out. I consider myself a value investor, so I'm trying to um, wait for home prices to go down. They're crazy here in Cleveland. I think they're crazy they are. here too. Yeah, they're awful yeah. here. So I'm um, waiting, but uh, you know we'll see. But I definitely have plans for that uh, in my uh, whiskey collection for a nice man cave when I uh, move into That's a house finally. So. Good, good man. That's always good yeah. to have no matter what. So tell us about your fiance. Okay. Who, who, who she is, where you met her, um, you know, how long you guys have been together. And then um, I, I kind of, I think I remember you telling me you guys adopted a bulldog here recently. So you got a new member of the family. Yeah, we do. Um, so I actually met uh, my fiance when I was coaching at John Carroll and she was a student athletic trainer. So she was a senior. I was coaching. Uh, some can say I try to poach on somebody young, but she was actually the one who approached me. <laughs> so we're, you know, about four to five years apart. So n nothing too uh, bad. But um, no, I mean, I actually uh, we like barely had any conversation initially. And then uh I actually remember my brother went to Kent State University here uh, in Kent, Ohio, obviously a Mac school. And uh, he got me to come down one night for, I think it was my 25th or 26th birthday, 26th birthday. And uh, we went down and um, she was out with some of her friends and I walk into a bar and I couldn't even get to the bar without her running up to me. And uh, that the rest is history. So uh, we're actually one of the few stories that actually met uh, when you meet somebody in a bar that actually ended up well. So normally oh, yeah. I'm bad. But, uh, you know, I had a few of those, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, obviously um, I'm really happy. Uh, she's truly my everything. Um, she's awesome and uh, really fortunate. So we'll be getting married uh, September 3rd next year. Uh, we got engaged uh, June 13th this year. We flew down to Florida and Tampa and did it down there. 
Um, nice. it, it's great. And then, yeah, we recently just got an English bulldog. So we got him when he was eight weeks old. We got him from a breeder here in town. Um, and he's great, but he definitely makes us sleep deprived between work and, uh, his 3am wake up calls, uh, to go to the bathroom and crying. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I love him. We named him Winston Stag. Um, he looked like a Winston, his middle name Stag after Stag Jr. The whiskey. So I'm uh, a right. big fan. So, Oh, Joe, I wish I was man enough to drink whiskey. You sound from what you said, you're a big whiskey guy. I smell it and I cringe. Like I can't even like, and, and then I've, I'll be honest with you. I've taken a shot of whiskey three times in my life. Two times I puked and the other time I like held it in with everything I could. I am not man enough. What is your favorite two or three whiskeys out there? Yeah, no, I true. Um, not to bore you with a long story, but I initially classified all whiskeys as bad whiskeys. So I had a really bad experience myself. Uh, remember the summer my, going into my junior year at Iowa, actually, uh, it was great when Riley Reef uh, left and got drafted. He came back into town and we bumped into him and he decided to buy everybody a shot at Jack Daniels. And okay. we've definitely had a few too many drinks at that point. But uh, it was a warm shot of Jack Daniels, and you pair too much to drink with a warm shot of Jack Daniels, you can probably guess what happened. I puked oh. everywhere. <laughs> uh, a couple minutes later, I uh, was fortunate not to get a public intox in Iowa City. Uh-oh. But um, I had like a huge mental block about whiskey. Um, I had always loved um, tequila. Um, that's another thing that I really liked. But I got into uh, more the Resposados, which is, you know, more the yellow one. And then uh, obviously the Añejos and the extra Añejos. And when you start learning more about it, they actually age those a lot in oak barrels. Um, okay. So it, you get that similar smoky and potentially oak taste that you get with a lot of whiskeys. But for me, uh, what really got me into whiskey was actually my fiance's dad. He's been drinking bourbon for like 30 years. Um, and I may have been spoiled. He put me onto some good stuff pretty early, but I've been drinking it now for three and a half years and I got into collecting it pretty hardcore about two and a half years ago. So um, I probably have about 125 bottles of whiskey. Wow. Um, uh, I think my fiance can actually made her wait in line yesterday on her off day to get me a bottle of Henry McKenna. So, nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, she's awesome. So I, fortunately her uh, dad groomed her pretty well and she appreciates the, uh, the hunt for bourbon. Uh, Ohio is a price controlled state. So it's, and it's super competitive here. Um, so, and these guys, it's tough having a job. Uh, you have to have connections at certain stores to even get a look at some of the pretty good stuff. But wow. um, my, my top three, I would say, um, I actually am fortunate to get a bottle of uh, Weller Foolproof, which is a pretty coveted one in the Weller line. It's a wheat bourbon. Um, I've had a pour. I haven't opened my bottle. Uh, definitely waiting for a special occasion. Um, my second one would be Stag Jr. Um, it's uh, higher proof. I like more of the barrel proofs. Um, you get like a dark uh, chocolate and like a cherry hint to it. Um, so it's almost like a cherry Coke. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. And then um, <clears throat> I am a big fan of pretty much all Heaven Hill products. Uh, my okay. unicorn bottle is uh, Old Fitzgerald. I've had a pour actually right after I popped the question. Uh, I paid up for it in Florida. But it, it was the best port I ever had. Um, short of, um, I actually just recently found out I passed uh, CFA level three, which is sort of the coveted exam uh, in finance. No, thank you. I found out uh, actually August 10th. Um, so my fiance forced me to go out. We went to a whiskey bar here in town and 
paid up for a pour of the WLW, um, which is part of the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. And, okay. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, the hype is not hype, um, and I'm really fortunate. I've tried three of the five now, so okay. it'll be a it'll be if if I can uh, get all five and own them personally before I die, uh, I can die happy. So. There there's a really cool, and I, I'm never gonna think of the name of it right now. A documentary on Netflix about um, have you seen that about the the uh, whiskey distillery or whatever with the employees that work there, and they were sneaking these like high end barrels and bottles of this like you can pay for like five ten thousand dollars for one of these bottles yeah. and did yeah, you that watch the, that um, yeah i think it's called heist if i remember right it, yeah it, it yeah could be wrong but i think yeah, right. no, they, it was the guy who actually worked at buffalo trace uh yes and it's, it's funny he was started off like stealing eagle rare buffalo trace some of the middle of the fairway products but then he started stealing like 23 year pappies which is like yeah. Know, a, a big time bottle. Uh, I've been fortunate to have a pour of that on a work trip. I mean, it's, it's fantastic, but I'm not going to spend $5,000 on a bottle. It's just, insane. Yeah. um, but, um, yeah, no, I mean that one. And then there's actually another really good documentary on Hulu called Neat, Um, and it shows all about the history of bourbon and, uh, they actually interview a lot of the master distillers, um, and cool. talk about like what whiskey means to them. And I'm excited. I'm actually, uh, going, uh, a bunch of us are going down in September to do the bourbon trail in Kentucky. And I'm going to okay. be having my bachelor party there too next year. So. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure that sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, it could end bad, but I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's got to, it's got to end bad. Otherwise it's not a good bachelor party. Are Absolutely. you, uh, are you making it back to Kinnick at all for any games this year? Um, we, I actually got, uh, asked last night by uh, my fiance to go back. Uh, she wants a chance at redemption. So for not having a pukane over at 8 p.m. So yeah, we may have to make a trip up there. Um, yeah. And uh, definitely uh, take a look around this year. So. All right. Well, shoot me a message if you're going to be around. We're going to be up on uh, homecoming weekend versus Purdue. Okay. So if you're going to be around, we're going to be doing a, a little player event uh, with some former players. So we'd love to have you. So if you're going to be around, let us know, and I'll make sure I'll buy a buy a shot of whiskey or a beer or something to thank you for coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. I will definitely do so. All right, Joe. It's that time, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on Nebraska Hawks Nest, talk about what you're up to, your wonderful fiance, the new French Bulldog, your career. I learned more about whiskey than I think I ever would have known before, yeah. which is great. I, I yeah. love it. Uh, it's great to see that you're doing well. And I know Hawk fans are going to be really happy to, to hear how great you're doing. Life is going extremely well for you right now. And you know, we love seeing that. We love to see you winning at life and succeeding. So th thanks for coming on and sharing everything with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to anytime. So thank you for uh, having me on. Appreciate All right. It. Joe. Shout out Shout out to uh, Hawkeye Nation. All right. We always end it with a Go Hawks, Joe. Yeah, go Hawks. All right. Go Hawks.